And today we are in our series, Unstuck and Unstoppable. And so I'm so excited about this series. Uh, the, the series is based out of a book that I wrote last year that's going to be released this fall. And we have Unstuck and Unstoppable small groups that are taking place. And it's been absolutely great to see the message of what God gave me last year impacting so many lives. And uh, it's been phenomenal. I'm just so grateful for it. If you are a guest here, I want you to know that uh, the church has provided a free copy of the book to you today as our guest, uh, and I'll be out in the foyer, and we would be more than happy. I'll be happy to sign the book and greet you personally, my wife Phyllis and I. Uh, we'd love to meet you and get to shake your hand and say thank you for being with us today. Now, someone say, unstuck and unstoppable. Unstuck. Say it again. Say, unstuck and unstoppable. unstuck and unstoppable. Wow, what a powerful message for today that we live in, right? Uh, I'd read a study. One of the things that caused me to write the book was, number one, I felt stuck. <laughs> and I was just trying, I wasn't trying to write a book. I was just trying to get unstuck. Uh, we, we had this little thing called COVID-19. Who knew it'd be a global pandemic? And uh, our church and every person that I knew felt stuck at some level. And I was just asking God, how do I lead people when I feel stuck? And then how do I help people get unstuck? And really just asking those simple questions um, because I knew uh, so many people were stuck, were stuck in their marriage. Anybody feel stuck in your marriage? You don't have to raise your hand if your spouse is there. Say, baby, it's been good. <laughs> you know, uh, someone, I, I met someone one time and they said, uh, COVID caused my marriage problems. And I, I just have to disagree with it. COVID didn't cause your problems. COVID exposed your marriage problems. You know, we're so busy and it's like, well, I, I, and even with our families, how many, <laughs> when you live with your kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you thought they were halfway normal. You thought you were normal and you realize none of us are normal. We're all a little dysfunctional and uh, my dysfunction's just normal to me. <laughs> And uh, when you couldn't send your kid off to school, when you couldn't send them somewhere else and you had to be with them the whole time, you realized, man, I put some things in my kids that really don't belong in my kids. Because your kids don't come pre-programmed. How many wish they did? I kind of wish they did. I'd, I'd pick some good people. I'd be like, man, act like them. Don't act like me. And uh, what I find is the thing that bothers me the most is what I find myself doing. Um, and so it caused us to really recognize, hey, maybe there's some problems in my family that we've been so busy we've not dealt with. Maybe some problems in my marriage. Maybe, maybe financial challenges. You know, maybe you did get laid off, and that's a re reality that people were, were, were dealing with. Um, but how many know just being laid off doesn't mean you have to get stuck? That we serve a God that is recession-proof. We serve a God that is greater than the economy, greater than COVID-19. And many times what I found was it wasn't the circumstance, it was the internal dialogue. There's a program inside of us that is running, and I can't wait about four weeks from now, I'm going to talk about the subconscious programming, that there's a program that's running inside of you and most of you don't even know what you're thinking about most of the day. And you were pre-programmed or programmed as a child. And so you had all the situations, all the circumstances, these thoughts, unfiltered thoughts are going through your mind. You don't even know you're thinking them, and yet they're running your life every single day. Um, and what we find, I read a study by Marks and Spencer. Uh, they determined that 96% of over 3,000 people surveyed were living their life on autopilot. Autopilot. 
What does that mean? That's just like, well, just whatever. It's blase, blase. I'm going through the motions. I wake up, I go to sleep. What happens through the day? I'm just in this autopilot mode with, with very little conscious thought and just very reactionary to life and the things that happen to me. And so we live life in this autopilot mode We're bouncing around from one situation to the next situation. We rarely take control of our lives, and then ultimately what happens is we live our life as a victim. We're victims to whatever circumstances come our way, whatever circumstances happen to us today or tomorrow or the next day. That's what determines where we go in our life. But we've been studying about a man, the Apostle Paul, and really the main figure of what I write about in the book in his life, we know that he faced so many different challenges. We talked about it last week. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. Um, he was in prison. He was in danger and danger and danger and danger and danger. And danger. that was the theme of his life. And yet the one thing we see about the Apostle Paul is that he didn't get stuck. Not that he never had challenges, not that he never had problems, but his life perpetually kept moving forward. And what I want to encourage us with today is not that your life is going to be perfect, but your life can continue to move forward. That you don't have to stay stuck if you feel stuck right now. You're not stranded. That's what the enemy would try to tell you, is that just because you're stuck, you're stranded. What that means is you're without hope. My marriage will never, my family will never, Our finances will never. When you start to say those words, you begin to settle in the place where you're at and you begin to live a life that's less than what God has for you. See, Paul believed that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the the premise of his, his, his thesis of how can I live with plenty and lack and be in good situations and bad situations. He said, because I can. Everybody say, I can. Say it again. Say, I can. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He believed it in his heart, and he believed it and was convinced of it in his mind, his thoughts. It wasn't wishful thinking. Some of us live on wishful thinking. I wish, God, I wish. God's not a genie in a bottle. No, no, no. He's got his word, and his word is yes and amen. And if we can stand on the truth of God's word and battle the thoughts that come against the word of God, I'm telling you, we can live a life like Paul and keep our life moving forward regardless of whatever situations we face. See, Paul knew that the battle was in his mind. That's where the battlefield is in our life. That it's really in our thoughts that if we can win in our thought life, we can win in life, regardless of situation, regardless of the circumstance. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, and I love the Passion Translation. I've been reading this translation quite a bit lately, and it's become one of my favorite. Look at what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, pull it out. If not, it'll come up on the screen. He said, we demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every argument or arrogant attitude. So deceptive fantasy, that's, that's a thought that's not real, but we believed it so much it's become our reality. And arrogant attitude, the reason it would say an arrogant attitude is because it goes against what God says and anything that goes against God is arrogant. Why? Because God is the creator of truth. 
He's the creator of heaven and earth. And so we want to come against any kind of deceptive fantasy that opposes God. And we want to break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Who? God. God's the standard. Look, this economy is not your standard. Society is not your standard. The political stance and what's happening in politics, that's not our standard. You know, I've told you, uh, look, we're not rhinos or elephants. We're, we're part of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Like, like, who do you vote for? Whichever one has the most Judeo-Christian values. That's who I vote for. I'm not voting all of one party or the next. I vote King Jesus. And so that's where we cannot get sucked into the ideals of society that go against the very nature of God, the thoughts of God, the precepts of his truth. It says, look, he, I love this part. He says, we capture, capture, look, like prisoners of war. What are we capturing here, Paul? We're capturing every thought. He didn't say some thoughts. He didn't say a couple of thoughts. He said every thought. See, you want to know how Paul was able to live the life he lived is because he was a disciplined man who learned how to capture thoughts that exalted themselves up against God. I know it's not easy, but the Christian life is not easy. And so you can live a hard life defeated or you can live a hard life in victory. It's going to be hard regardless. I choose to try to live it in victory through discipline. That God, every time a thought comes in my mind, that God, I would pull down and take captive that thought. I love the, the whole, the, think of the imagery that Paul uses here. He uses a prisoner of war, prisoner of war. So in other words, it's in my mind. So you can't determine what thought comes into your mind, but you do get to determine what thought stays in your mind. Like, look, I, I know the enemy will put a thought in your mind. You ever thought something? You're like, whoa, whoa that's, I don't want to think that. My goodness. So now, once it's in my mind, what are you going to do? Are you going to capture it, or are you going to let it roam free? You're going to take it like a prisoner of war and say, no, devil, you're not going to put that thought of doubt and unbelief in my heart. Maybe the thought of pride or arrogance or whatever it is that I'm struggling with. I'm not going to allow that thought to sit there. I'm going to take it captive like a prisoner of war and make it what? Bow in obedience to the anointed one. Man, bow in obedience. That's why it's important for us to know and understand and memorize the word of God. You can't just come to church on a Sunday and think if I get what I get here that I'll live a victorious life. No, it's got to happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And I'm concerned about a church that's biblically illiterate. Like we like to shout when the preacher says something good, but we don't have anything to shout about from the word that we read that week. That's where the victory is won. The victory is won when you get a revelation on the inside of who God says you are, what God says you can do, and how God says you can live. And when you get that from his word, there's no devil in hell, there's no thought from hell that can cause you to be stopped and become stuck in your life. And I love the imagery. Paul, he saw himself as a soldier. Think about soldier. Soldier, why? Because we're in a war. See, when you're in a war, you recognize that I can't be casual I'm not on vacation. I'm not here to be a spectator. I'm a soldier. And so my life is no longer my own, and I'm waged in a battle. And if I want to experience victory, then I have to become a soldier. He understood that the mind was a battlefield. And I'm convinced we don't get stuck in life because of what happens to us. We get stuck in life because of what happens in us. The little thoughts that are in our head, in our hearts, 
I, a couple of, probably about a year ago now, I was driving uh, back from an appointment in Sugarland, and I had just bought a brand new truck. Uh, it was my COVID splurge. I actually bought it online. Uh, it was, I'd sold my other truck, told Phyllis, if I could sell this truck, make some money, I'm gonna buy me a truck that I really have always wanted. So I bought a lifted Ford F-150. Come on, the, the, that's God's truck. All my Chevy people, I'm sorry, you just didn't listen to God, I'm sorry. Toyota, what is that? Nissan, what is, no, just did <laughs> And it's lifted. It's got a six-inch lift on it. It's got 20-inch rims, 35-inch mud tires. I mean, it's a, it's a big boy truck, and it's a four-wheel drive, and I love it, and I was so proud of this truck. Um, and, and so I was driving back from this doctor's appointment, still fairly new, and just, you know how you drive, like, I feel like a man, <laughs> you know, just driving it. And all of a sudden, I'm over here on Reading Road, and my tires lock up. And I skid towards the white line just before the red light. Thank God it was right before the, the red light. And I'm skidding on this, this, uh, the road. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, what in the world just happened? I have no idea. So I, 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 I checked the, the, the gear. Okay, it's in drive. So I'm pushing the gas pedal. It won't go anywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm in this beautiful big truck. And I'm about to get punked. The light is going to turn, and my truck won't go. I mean, I'm, I'm a little, I'm like, oh, my God, freak. Cars are behind me. I know the red light is coming, and I'm like, what do I do? I'm pushing. It won't go anywhere. So I'm praying, Lord, help me. I'm thinking, is it the transmission or the tires so big? The transmission couldn't handle it. I mean, all those thoughts. And then... <laughs> I was thinking, Pastor Phyllis, when you get there, you just got to gun it. And so I'm like, light turns green, and I'm like, this is stupid, but boom, and I hit the gas, and it pops, and my truck starts rolling. I'm like, praise God, I'm moving. I'm moving, but something ain't right. I'm hearing this. You, you know, <laughs> it was terrible. So I just get down to the DPS, and I pull into the DPS office, and thank God there wasn't an officer behind me, but I was sitting there, and I'm thinking, if it's the transmission, I can't go backwards, so maybe I'm putting it in reverse. Try, okay, it goes back just a little bit. It won't go forward, and I'm like, the Dream Center is just a half a mile down the road. All I got to do is get, I'm too old to get stranded. I won't get stranded. I ain't going out like that. <laughs> so I put it in gear, and God is my witness. I slam on the gas. It goes, Pops again, and I'm just doing this all the way down to the Dream Center. Cars, I'm doing 10 miles right by BF Terry. What's up? Cars. <laughs> this beautiful truck, and I just can't hardly get there. And I pull in, and I called Sharonda. I said, Sharonda, you're going to have to call the tow truck. What's wrong? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with my truck. <laughs> pull in, tow truck driver gets there, and he's like, what's going on? I told him the whole situation. He's like, well, let me get under there. Turn your wheel. Let me just look and see, and... He gets under there, he says, oh, I found the problem. I said, well, praise God. What does he say? It's not even that big of a deal. He said, there's a bolt that attaches your brake pad to the rim. And I guess over the last couple of months, they didn't tighten it very tight. And it has vibrated out. And it's your brake pad scraping that rim that's keeping your truck from moving. Thank God. Got it fixed. Think about this. A little bitty bolt stop that great big truck. And I wonder if we've not been going through life. Everything looked well. We got saved. God's been moving on our behalf. And then all of a sudden, your life came to a screeching halt. 
And we think it's this big problem, the transmission drops, something major happens. But I wonder if it's not just a little negative thought that after being undealt with has caused you to become stuck. It's amazing how we always want to find the big solution, but you know the Song of Solomon 2.15 says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that cause big problems in our life. It's the little negative and ungodly thoughts that we have that cause lots of problems. Think about the thoughts that rattle off in your head, I'm not good enough. I'll never be smart enough. My parents don't love me. Nobody cares about me. Maybe your spouse doesn't love me. It's like, you know, whatever it is that you, you have these thoughts, and they're not a big thought at first, but the problem is they're undealt with. We didn't pull them down. We didn't call them and capture them like prisoners of war. And so that little thought now becomes this subconscious pattern of thought, and now you live your life defensively because you believe the lie, not the truth, the lie that the enemy put in your life, and now you're stuck. I'm unlovable. Well, think about this. If you believe you're unlovable, you're going to live like you're unlovable. It creates problems in our life. And I know, hey, <laughs> it's easy to focus on negative things. Anybody, you don't have to work very hard to think about negative thoughts. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? I know a lot of you are probably just positive, like, you know, you just woke up singing in the rain. But I found this statistic when I was writing the book. The National Science Foundation published an article and they summarized their research on human thought. And it was found that the average person had anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. 12,000 has to be men, 60 has to be women, come on somebody. <laughs> and of those thousands of thoughts, 80% of them were negative, 95% of them were repetitive day in and day out. So you're having the same repetitive, negative thoughts in your life day in and day out. And we wonder how come we live defeated. Look, I gave my life to Jesus, yes, but did you change your thoughts? I started going to church, yes, but have you captured and made prisoner every thought that exalts itself against God? No, no, that's hard work. Yeah, well, being defeated is hard work. <laughs> right, I mean, being broke is hard. Being rich is hard. Being healthy is hard. Being sick is hard. The question is not whether you experience pain. The question is which pain do you want to experience? I don't know about you. I'm just tired of living defeated. I don't want to live defeated. You, you can have victory and you can be, you have victory in every area of your life and you got this one area and it's like, well, how do you change it? You want to change your life, change your thoughts. Change your life, change your thoughts. It's the only way that we can change the area of your life. And, and here's what I would say. You probably have most of your life doing well, but what's the one area? The one spot that you're like, man, if I could change that, my whole life would change. Well, that's what I would start working on. I would start to just take inventory. How many times have you just sat down and thought about what you thought, thought about? <laughs> you're like, pastor? Never. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not something that we do often, but if we'll do it, it will absolutely change the life that we get to live. And here's what I'll tell you even greater than that, it'll bring God glory. Why? Because God wants a powerful church, not a pitiful church. Look at what the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse two. 
Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Don't be like everybody else. He says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Aren't you glad that when you were born again, that the Holy Spirit is deposited inside of us? So when you change your life, you don't even have to change it in your own power. Because I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, I can't do it. No, you're right, you can't. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the, so the reality is in your own strength, no. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the inside of you, you know what? I can. It's not easy, but I can do it. It's going to be tough, but I can do it. And I choose to do it through the power of God that's on the inside of me. Then look what he says. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying, perfect in his eyes. Look what it says there, the transformation by the Holy Spirit. Look at this right here. Through total reformation of how you think. Some of you need a remodel in your mind. You just need to go to work. Your mind needs to go under construction. So we've been living the same rut, the same life, thinking the same thoughts. Some of you are so uh, caught up in patterns and ruts in your life. You ought to change the direction of the way you go to work every week. I might get confused. No, you might actually think while you're driving. How many have ever driven and you're like, oh, I'm already here. I'm concerned about you. How did I get there? I don't know. You eat the same things. You go to the same place. You do the same stuff. You get in this rut. And what will happen is if you're not careful, you're going to be like the other 96%. You live your life on autopilot, wondering why you're defeated. You go to church. You love Jesus. But you can't seem to get victory in your life. Your thoughts determine your future. Whatever I think today determines what I'll be tomorrow. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 2 says, wise thinking lives to right li leads to right living. Stupid thinking, ain't got no stupid thinkers in here, but I'm just saying that's the Bible talking. If you were stupid, <laughs> leads to wrong living. Just stupid, just stupid thinking. I tell my kids, don't use that word stupid. So I'm just I'm reading the Bible, scripture right here, stupid. <laughs> Wise thinking. Just think about that. Just wise thinking. Just the thought. Some of you are trying to change out there, but you've never changed in here. If you don't like where you're going, change it. Change your thought pattern. You don't like being broke? Get scriptures on what it means to be blessed, how to manage God's resources that he's placed in your life. Like if you don't like being unhealthy, read what God's word talks about discipline. Read books on discipline. You don't have to be a victim. You don't like being uneducated? Great. Educate yourself. Look, just because someone's got a degree doesn't mean you're educated. You just graduated. I know a lot of stupid graduates. Why do you say that? Because they stopped learning. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, you don't have to even have a diploma to get an education. You just, you learn, you read, you, you got to want to get better. And, and here's what I would caution you with. Don't go try to figure out what the world says. The best way to run the play is to find out what God says. He designed it. He created it. And if I'll stand on his word, I'm standing on truth. And I've always loved this saying. It's, I think I saw it in a school first. I think it was one of the schools I was visiting a long time ago. But it says, sow a thought, reap an action. You guys have it? Show it up there if you've got it. 
Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap your destiny. Think about that. Starts with a thought, ends with destiny. Your thoughts determine your destiny. So the question we ask is, what is it that I'm thinking about? Is it what Romans 8, 5, and 6 talks about? Dominated by the sinful nature? Look at what he says. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. So that no matter what situation you're faced with, you get a choice. Am I going to think about the things of the world? Am I going to think about what God wants me to think about? See, Paul knew that regardless of the challenges, that whatever he faced, his strength came from Christ. So his focus was always on what God could do, not what he couldn't do. So whatever you focused on, you come up against a circumstance or situation, do you think about your lack or do you think about God's abundance? Do you think about your weakness or do you think about God's strength? Do you think you're, you're, you're uneducated, but you, you forget that God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, which means you could walk into a situation. Listen, I pray in the Holy Spirit. I walk into situations. I try to teach my kids this. There are many times I walk into a place. I don't know how to raise the money to build this building. I've heard lessons, but you know what I did? I spent time praying in the Holy Spirit. I prayed in my prayer language. I asked God to give me wisdom and revelation. We built a great team. We took the right steps. But there are many times where we walk in life, and you're only thinking about what you know or don't know instead of what the God of heaven who's on the inside of you can deposit in your life and in your mind. And if we'll start focusing on God, I promise you there'll be a turnaround in your life. He's a turnaround God. That's why Paul said, take captive every thought. I just refuse to think the thoughts that cause me to stay stuck in my life. One little flippant, inappropriate thought, you think it's no big deal, but it's just like that bolt. I wonder if that one little thought that you allowed to stay is why you're stuck. See, the devil constantly plants seeds of doubt, unbelief, he wants to fill your heart with those negative thoughts that you have heard over and over in your life. He wants you to stay. He doesn't want you to live victorious. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's trying to say, oh, will you think the thoughts that I put in your mind? He wants to destroy your life. He's not a friend. He's not some cuddly thing that we see. I, I, I think the challenge with the devil is everybody thinks you can play with the devil. You can't play with the devil. The devil will take your life. We watch these horror shows and it's like, oh, we got good demons and bad demons. There ain't no good demon. There's no good devil. Come on, somebody. They're out to steal, kill, and to destroy your life. There is only one that is good and his name is God Almighty. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Romans 8.6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And, and I want to caution us that the challenge in this is, I, I think we find ourselves in some vulnerable times with our thoughts. You ever, you ever been alone with your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> 
I, I, I find myself, it was funny the other day, and this wasn't the story I was going to say, but I'm going to say it. I was out to eat dinner with Phyllis, and we'd, we'd had a talk and conversation. She said something, kind of flustered me a little. I didn't, not real bad, but just a little. And we were eating, and I mumbled something. <laughs> she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> she said, what did you say? I said, I don't want to say what I said. <laughs> Go ahead, just tell me. I said, no, I don't want to say it. She, she giggled. She said, you're talking to yourself. You're having a conversation with me in your head? <laughs> I might have been. <laughs> what are you thinking when you're not thinking? I, I find another time that I did that. I, I, I do it often. I got to be careful. It's when I'm driving. I was sitting at the railroad crossing over there in Benton Road in 762 and about to cross over. And I was just sitting there and I had gotten into a frustrating situation earlier that day with, with someone. And uh, now I wasn't thinking anything at the crossing. I was in my nothing box. Come on. I know women, you don't even believe we got a nothing box. Some lady over here laughs. She's like, ha, ha, ha. We got a nothing box. Guys, guys, come on, tell me you got a nothing box. You're like, what you think about? Nothing. <laughs> you just think about nothing. But then all of a sudden, while I'm in my nothing box, the enemy puts a thought in my head. And I start going back to the conversation with this person that I got frustrated at. And they were wrong. And I was right, of course. <laughs> And I start to have a conversation, like, and I'm not even thinking about what I'm thinking about. I'm sitting here just trying to get across the railroad cross, and I was enjoying my nothing box, and now I could just feel my blood pressure going. I'm having a full-blown conversation. Yes, you did. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. It's your fault. Your problem is not me. And my blood pressure is boiled. Like, by the time I crossed the railroad track, I was pretty frustrated. And then I arrived to the place where I'm going to meet this person and I got out and I didn't even realize this till later when I connected with that person, the first thing that came out of my mouth was frustration. Now that person had not said anything, done anything, or been anywhere that deserved what I said. However, because the enemy planted a seed that he was wrong, he doesn't respect you and honor you and all. So the first thing I see him, I lash out with this conversation that never even happened. They're like, whoa, 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 pastor. <laughs> and I learned a lesson. Man, the devil had me worked up. And I, I went back and reflected about this, and I talk about it in the book, but I wonder if God hadn't put his name in my heart so that I could forgive them, so that I could bring restoration so that maybe it was a moment when I saw them, it would be a great sweet time of just, hey, I was wrong, you were wrong, it's all good, we're good. God is good. No, 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 no. But, but when the name was dropped, I started listening to the thought of the enemy, which brought division. I had to repent to him. I had to tell him I'm sorry. How many times has that happened to us? You leave the house, your spouse, you get to work, and you just in your little nothing box, and you start repeating what she said. She told me to take out the trash. Who she think I take out the trash? I take, I'm the man of this house. <laughs> Whatever it is, come on, tell me I'm not lying. And then they text you, "I love you, boo." You like, I, what? <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I text you at work today. Yeah, I was busy all day. <laughs> What happened? The enemy put thoughts in your head 
And he actually directed your life right where he wanted your life. And it's no wonder that our marriages are messes. Our families are messes. Our finances are messes. Why? Because the enemy just, he bombards us with these negative thoughts, these ungodly thoughts, and we don't take them captive like prisoners of war. And so they run rampant in our mind to where we now are living the will of the enemy and not the will of God. Take every thought captive. Then my last thing I want us to know is that thoughts can be barriers or they can be building blocks. Barriers are building blocks. You know, our thoughts govern our actions, what we think. It really becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you think you're fat, you keep saying I'm fat, you're gonna be fat. You think you're broke? Come on, I'm telling you, I wrote about it. I, I never forget, I, I go back and look at pictures when I was in high school, and uh, my older brother and I got into a fight, which wasn't uncommon, we didn't always get along. Wasn't a physical fight this time, <clears throat> this was a verbal fight, and I must have been 14 or 15 years old. And for whatever reason, maybe it was because I was in puberty, adolescence, all that, he said, you're fat. And for whatever reason, he'd said, call me names all the time, I believed it. It got into my heart. And it was a very interesting thing. I write about it in the book when I talk about the subconscious. What I realized was the words that he planted deep inside of me now had me beginning to fulfill a prophecy that I believed. I'm fat, I'm fat. And then I go back and look at pictures. I'm like, bro, you look good. Anybody look, you're like, what are you talking about? But my whole life I struggled with it. And then as I became a young adult, I actually gained extra weight. What had to happen, I had to break the image of the lie that I believed in my life. I had to stop fulfilling the lie of the enemy and start fulfilling the, lie, the, the promise of our God, that I'm healthy. Yeah, there's moments I have Dunlap disease, but that's all right. It feels good. <laughs> Somebody said Dunlap disease. So it's where your belly Dunlapped over your belt. <laughs> Y'all feel it, right? Some of y'all out there with me, you got it? My little daughter, she said, Dad, is that a real disease? (laughs) Could be. (laughs) Self-fulfilling prophecy. Our thoughts, they they hold us back or they lift us up. And and I was thinking about a, a person that I read about, Roger Bannister. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of a man named Roger Bannister. He uh, ran track and field, and on May 6th of 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man to run a mile in under four minutes. He did what people believe was absolutely physically impossible. In fact, the interesting thing about this story is that uh, for, for many, many, many years, over 3,000 years, doctors and scientists had actually conducted studies and said that it is impossible to break that four-minute barrier when you run a mile. Physically, you would have a heart attack, you would die. It's absolutely impossible. Where there was this man, Roger Bannister, he believed he could do it. He said, I'm gonna train, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna do all that I can. And in 1954, on May 6th, he's running this track meet in Oxford, England, and he's running the laps. He said, conditions were not even great. He said, but I just felt like something was in me. And he starts to run the laps, lap one, lap two, lap three. And on the fourth lap, he sees it's within reach. And so what we see is he begins to stretch out and push his body to the absolute limit. And on that day, he breaks the barrier that no one in history has ever broken. It's an absolute crazy miracle. It was unbelievable. And here's what's crazy about his story. See, the only reason he broke the barriers because he believed he could. But within a decade, 
10 years, now 3,000 years of the games and people chronicling how fast people ran. That record had never been broken in 3,000 years, but within a decade of Roger Bannister breaking the record, 336 other runners would break the four minute mile record. What's the difference? They believe they could. For the first time you had a man that looked at an obstacle and said, I know they said it's impossible, but I think it's possible. I think I can do it. And then when he broke the barrier, others followed suit, said if Roger Bannister can do it, I can do it. And I wonder if there are those of us here that the enemy has lied to you. Your marriage will never work. Your family will never be healthy. You can never get to where God's called you, but you see people around breaking the barrier. I want you to know you can break the limits of the enemy that God wants to do the impossible in your life. And I wonder if the enemy has trapped you into believing that his lie is the reality and not God's truth, that your situation is unchangeable, that your situation is hopeless. And I wonder if we could get our hopes up and believe Mark 9, 23, which says, all things are possible to those who believe. So we get to choose. Why don't you stand up this morning as we close? Pastor, what's the choice? Well, we get to choose. What are you gonna believe? Are you gonna believe the lie of the enemy? Are you gonna believe the promise of God? The choice is really up to you. And I wonder today as we you know, conclude the service, just man, God, what is it in my thoughts? that has limited me? What is it in my mind that the war that's been raging, I've lost? You just talk to God, maybe just in this moment, even just reflect, God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me.